Hey guys, it's RJ and Angie, and this is the Rich by Intention podcast. Our guest today is Kevin Matthews of Build and Bread. Kevin is a number one best-selling author and former financial advisor. He has helped hundreds of individuals plan for their retirement, in addition to managing more than $140 million in assets during his advisory career. By 2017, he was named one of the top 100 most influential financial advisors by Investopedia. In this episode, Kevin breaks down why investing is important, practical ways to start investing today, and how to build generational wealth. We really hope you get a lot out of this episode. As always, thank you for tuning in and be sure to hit the subscribe button and follow us on Instagram at Rich by Intention for money tips and motivation. Thanks for tuning in. Hi, Kevin. We're so excited to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Yes, thank you for having me. So for those who may not know you, can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. My name is Kevin Matthews II. I'm a former financial planner. I'm also uh, one of the top 100 most influential financial advisors and a number one bestselling author. It is my job to make investing in finance simple, and I've been doing that since 2010. That's amazing. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So I definitely want to get into it. Right now, we have a lot of economic uncertainty. Everyone's using the R word recession. Inflation's high. You know, really want for our listeners to give our listeners a little breakdown of like investing one-on-one. So can you tell us a little bit more about like investing and where should people start today? Yeah. So investing, we'll we'll start about what investing is and some ways that you can start. So investing is, is basically what I like to say is, is putting your money to work, like giving your money a nine to five. And as an investor, I get my paycheck from, from whatever it is that I do. And I say, look, $100, $500, whatever it is, you go work at Apple, you go work at Microsoft, you go work wherever it is. But when you come back, I want you to, to have more, right? Bring friends when you come back to my, to my wallet, right? So that's, that's how I like to, to really conceptualize investing. And what you are doing as an investor is choosing to own particular companies that we feel will grow in value. Now, where do you start? Most people start with their 401k. Perhaps if you're a teacher or something, that would be your 403b. So that's the first place you want to start. We say to, to try and get as close as you can to 15% of your salary. If you can't start off there, that's fine. You can start at five and slowly work, work your way up. Um, that is the, the easiest, simplest way to, to get started in today's environment. So, you know, a lot of people are afraid of that word investing. And I think a lot of it stems from because we just don't know exactly what it is or where to start. Why do you think, especially for my family, you know, I've growing up, I was always taught to put my money in a savings account. You know, mm-hmm. don't don't put your money in the stock market. We don't know what that is. Like, just put it in a savings account and you'll be fine. You'll be good. So what do you tell our listeners who've been taught that also, like just to save up as much money as you can in your savings account? Yeah. So I was I was taught that as well. That is what the world was. And I think a part of that is because there are a lot of people who have made investing overly complicated and it didn't need to be. <laughs> And it's, it's actually a lot simpler when you really start to, to break it down. What I will say, though, is that you will need to save that three to six months of your, your rent or mortgage. You will need that. But beyond that, based on where interest rates are and what you're getting paid on your regular banking account, that's not going to make you a millionaire. It's unfortunately not. Investing in the market, on average, when we go back all the way to the 1950s, 
we see a 10, 7 to 10% average, not every year, but average every year. So that therefore, I can I get 7% or do I want 0.75, right? And which one of these is going to be easier for me to hit that first million, to hit that second million, or to even get $100,000? It's easier to do that in a place where I can average 7% than a place where I'm going to get a guaranteed less than 1% right now. Yeah. So I guess someone's starting out, right? Like where is the first place they should start, right? Should they go to YouTube? Should they go to Google? Should they go to a local, you know, advisor? uh, advisor? Like where is the first steps people should take after they have their emergency fund or rainy day fund? Yeah, I would say the very first place you should go is probably to a library or Barnes and Noble. I feel like, like, yes, YouTube, Instagram, there are a lot of great pages out there. But if you're new, sometimes you don't know what is like good quality information and what may not be, unfortunately. So there are there are tons of books out there. I've written one, uh, The Budgetista, Get Good With Money is a very good book that I would start with and start to just understand and get your lay of the land and start to understand like where, what type of investor do I want to be? What are my goals for the future? And I think that's the thing you want to start with as well. So read is number one. Again, the Budgetista's book, Tiffany J, Get Good With Money is probably the, the number one book I would start off with. And then sit down with yourself, with your spouse, with your kids even and say, look, where is it that we want to be in the next five or 10 years? That's what's going to help to guide your investing journey and really put you in the right places. You know, I think I love that. And I think Get Good With Money is a great place to start. We definitely recommend that book to start with by, by Tiffany. But, you know, a lot of, a lot of times I think people just, when we think of investing, we think about buying stocks, right? Like buying that one-off stock. And, you know, I have a relative who put money, it, put all their money in one stock and all of that money got depleted. They lost all their money. And so like, I think that can make people just kind of, you know, afraid to invest or fearful just to like continue, you know, investing because they're not aware of like what exactly the other options or the other strategies you can do with investing instead of just picking stocks. Right. Mm -hmm. And so like, what advice do you give to those people? Like what's an actual practical, a practical strategy you know, for investing. So it's not like this, you know, I'm going to put all my money in one basket and lose it all. <laughs> yeah. So that, that is a, a common fear that can be relatively easily avoided. And I think a lot of times, because I've, I've had, you know, like, yeah, Uncle Charles then lost all his money in the market. Right. So like it, it does happen. However, easiest strategy, I think would be invest in index funds. That is your, your, don't do nothing else until you invest and understand index funds. And when I, well, I'll break that down as well. So for example, an index fund invests in an entire section of the stock market. There's one index fund called the Vanguard Total Stock Market Index Fund. It invests in essentially every single company in the US all at the same time. And the beauty of that is I don't have to sit here and choose and hope that Apple is going to be the next big thing. What it does is investing everything all together, all at once. And an even better way of looking at this is if you are a sports fan, you can say, instead of hoping that my team is going to win it all, why don't I own just the, the whole league, right? Like at the time we're doing this, like Steph Curry and them won, right? Well, if you were a Celtics fan or a Laker fan like I am, that's not fun for you, right? You would have, quote unquote, lost money by investing in that team. However, what if I just own the, the whole NBA? It doesn't matter what team is the best. I own the entire thing. And as long as the NBA is here, 
I'm going to make money, which is the same thing as what an index fund does. So as long as the U.S. is here, and as long as these companies exist, which more than likely they will, I get to spread my money out. And it doesn't matter which company is the best because I'm going to own it as a whole. I love that analogy. And I know my husband does because he is a basketball. Every every analogy that he that's all he does is basketball analogies. I'll ask him something about, you know, fruit and he'll bring up, well, if you relate it to basketball in some way, he'll always relate it back. I'll ask him anything about a car, anything. He'll just relate it back to basketball. So thank you. Yes, that. that was an amazing analogy. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. And you're a Lakers fan. So I'm like, that's even better, right? Are uh, you a Lakers? I, I am. I am. And and going back to basketball, things were great just a few years ago. Right? They're not no more. So, you know, you can invest like if you are putting all your eggs in one basket, it can be risky. Like something like like Peloton was an amazing mm-hmm. stock in the pandemic. It's down 90 percent in the last yeah, year. That's sad. What worked last year may not work this year. Right. So, yeah. you know, we got to change the roster and all that. But if I owned, <laughs> if I owned the entire stock market, I wouldn't be risking a 90% loss because I own Peloton, but I also own Apple and everything in between. So that helps to what we call diversify my risk and lower the likelihood that I can be stuck with a, a company that is no longer what we thought it was. You know, I love I, again, I love how you broke that down, because I think a lot of us assume, you know, we know about our 401k to an extent, mm-hmm. you know, we know about stocks, right, to an extent, you know, but this whole concept, I think, of index funds, investing in index funds can be new for a lot of people. And so can you just tell us like, OK, so now you tell me about invest, invest index funds. I can own the whole NBA team if I wanted to or the whole market. Where do I start? Like if I wanted to start investing in index funds today, like what's the what, what advice would you give me to start? Yeah, out? so I'll, I'll give you like two two branches. So so one, I bring up the 401k because a lot of people like one that is your most valuable account is where most millionaires are made. And I've run into clients that say like, yeah, 401k, I put money into it. I'm like, then you're an investor. Like people just don't always equate the, the two. So that that is like you can put close to $20,000 every single year. And if your company is generous enough, you might get a match. So that's that's number one. But aside from that, let's say you've already got that where you want to do something extra. There are, I would say probably four, four steps. So the first one is to open an account. You can do this at a multitude of different places. Some are easier than others. I think places like maybe like a Fidelity or Charles Schwab are usually like the most popular. So one is open an account that, that you want to have. The next is deposit any amount of money. Again, I still shoot for that 15% of my income. Then you want to choose the index fund that you want, or actually deposit the money and then choose the the index fund that you want would be number four. The reason I say that is because I've also been in situations where I've had clients open an account, deposit money, and then don't like, don't, don't choose anything. And it's like, well, why is my money not growing? Because you didn't put the money to work, right? You put the money in the office, Right. But you didn't tell them, hey, this is what you're supposed to be doing. You go work at this place. Do you need to go to this index funder or what have you? So you you have to make sure that you finish that third and fourth step. So choose where you want to open your account, deposit the money, choose what it is that you want to invest in and then allow that money to go to work for you. You know, you said something I want to just back up because a lot of times, again, 
in my family, friends, you know, they tell us like, you know, hey, hey, RJ, I got a big lump sum of money. I'm going to start investing now. Now that I got this lump sum, I'm going to start investing. But I like what you said, because you said take a percentage of your income and invest that on a regular basis, right? Not just a one-off time. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I think a lot of people like us, you know, assume that, that you need a lot of money. To you start need a investing. lot of money to start investing. Yeah. So I'm glad you brought that up. So you absolutely at this point in life do not need a ton of money to invest. And to prove that in 1995, and I, I choose this year because that's when Internet Explorer was launched. Internet Explorer died like, what, two or three days ago. So if you put $100 a month in Microsoft in 95, and you stopped in May of 2022, you'd have $623,000 on $100 a month. That's it. Like it, it does not require tons and tons of money. It doesn't require $1,000 or even $250,000 in some cases. You don't have to do that. Start where you are and slowly scale up because that's going to be, number one, it takes the timing out of it. Like, when is the right time to buy X, Y, and Z? If you buy on all the time, it's not going to matter, right? By default, you're going to hit like the perfect time and you're going to continue to do so. But also you want to take advantage of compounding. And that is going to be that, that time factor. The fact that you invest in something for 27 years is going to be one of the biggest factors why you're successful, why you, you, know, you hit 600,000 in the case of, of Microsoft. But like, I think we have to get out of the mindset of, if it's a small amount, it doesn't count. It absolutely does. Because even if I make 2%, 2% on, on $20, 2% on $100 is better than 2% on nothing. And what you don't want to do is look back five or 10 years, or in my case, in 95, and say, man, yeah, I wish I did that. I don't get the time back, right? Now, I was a kid. I didn't have investing apps and stuff like that back then. But 10 years from now, you're going to wish you started 10 years ago. And you're, ne- you're never going to be able to, to go back and rewind and take advantage of times like this. Exactly. No, you know, I can count on, you know, how many times have we heard like, oh, I'm going to start investing when, you know, when the best time to start investing is now, right? Yep. Today, if you can. And starting with just where you are, right? Like you said, like starting with 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 dollars like whatever you can it's the i think consistency is the key when it comes to investing absolutely and even like let's say you you go in you invest your first ten dollars you invest your first twenty dollars and you make a mistake i would rather make that mistake on a small scale and learn it on twenty dollars and until i get that that twenty thousand right what you don't want to do is like hey i have this big sum i've done this for the first first time when you could have been learning slowly and and gaining speed so that when you hit that windfall, when you get that pay raise, when you get that new job, you're going to know how to handle it because you have the skills that already you have the experience already. You know, so Kevin, as we're talking about investing, you know, I can hear some of our listeners saying, you know, well, the market hasn't been doing that well. Like, is it really safe to be putting my money in, you know, the stock market right now when we're on the verge of a recession, depression, whatever the case may be? What do you say to those people that are like, hey, like I did put money in and now all my money went down. So what am I supposed to do? I would I would say to, to zoom out. Like right now is not fun, right? But even go back to the Microsoft example, from 95 to 2022, how many things have we gone through? 
dot-com bust. We had 9-11. We had a pandemic. We've gone through however many election cycles. We went through the Great Recession in 2008, and you still would have had $600,000? I'm going to take that, right? I'm going to go ahead and take that. But the other thing, too, is everybody says that I wish I'd invested in Amazon when it when it first started. I wish I would have invested in X, Y, and Z when it first started or buy low, sell high. Well, if this is going to be a recession and if the market is low, which it is, this would be the time to do that, right? Like we gotta, we gotta, you gotta like understand like what we're saying and really zoom out. I think that, and that's the key. So we have stats that say that those that invest for at least three years, if you bought now and held for three years, there's a 95% chance that the market is going to be positive. When you invest for five years or more, we're looking at more than a 99% chance that the, the market is going to be positive. Looking at it day to day, yeah, it, it's going to be a coin flip. But the longer you invest, the longer that you hold, the higher the likelihood is that you're going to be more positive at the end of the day. You're going to make money at the end of the day. Yes, yeah, it's so true. It's all about time in the market instead of trying to time in the market. But I'm thinking of how technology has changed and really democratized investing, right? The access for everyone is pretty, it's easier access now. So what can someone do to prevent themselves from selling? Because it's so easy just to go log into your phone and like sell before you had to actually call someone and go through a longer process. Now it's so easy to make the wrong decision. So what can people do to prevent themselves from making these bad decisions during these type of times? Yeah. So that's, that's a really good observation. I, I don't think I've thought of it that way. I just, I've, I've been on the, like, Hey, we can all invest now. But I hadn't really thought like, oh, we could also like all sell now too. And it's really easy, especially if you get a notification on your phone that says like, hey, the world is on fire. Because <laughs> um, then you're like, oh God. So, let me sell everything off. <laughs> right. Let me get it. Let me get about this thing. So what I, what I do, and I even, I think I even said this on my YouTube channel is I don't check my account every day. I really don't. And in fact, there are only two times all year that I go through and look deep into my account and make changes. And for me, that's every six months. So June, end of June, and end of December. That's it. And that is that is a common practice. So even when I was an, an advisor, the most times that we would come in and, and like have a regularly scheduled meeting with the client was just four times a year. And there are plenty of studies out there that show the more you're checking your account monthly, daily, at work, that causes you more panic. Yep. It causes you more pain. And a lot of times it distorts how you're viewing the market. And a thing that I like to say too is human nature, we are wired to remember negative times more than the positive times. And we distort that reality. A good example of this is I'm, I'm from Oklahoma. Oh, I remember that tornado that hit more Oklahoma in 98, mm-hmm. right? Do I remember all the perfect days that I've had ever since then? No. <laughs> you remember hurricane? You remember that blizzard? It was bad. But you don't remember none of like the, the good times in between. That happens in the market. Like right now, the stock market, as, as of the time we're doing this, is down like 20%. It was up 27 in 2022. It was up thir- between 13 and 15 in 2020. It was up whatever it was in t- 2019. Anybody talking about that? You had three good years in a row and you got one bad one. That's 75% of the time the market was good, but everybody's afraid of this one time that it's bad. So you got to take take a step back and institute rules if you have to and say, look, this is the one time that I'm going to check my, my account and maybe 
adjust some things. You don't have to be in it every day, even though the news tells you about it every day. And you don't have to, you know, get in and, and be fancy, right? And do the most. You can sit back, relax, and let that time factor be the driving thing in your your account. Yeah, I love that advice of not checking in your account, right? And also not looking at the news, CNBC or anything talking about the, the negative headlines. So ignore the headlines, right? And it goes back to the goals that you were talking about earlier. Like, what is the goals for this money? If your goal is to buy something next week with that money, then yeah, that's maybe not the best decision to be investing. But if your goal is to invest for retirement a long-term, then just zoom out. And we know when you invest long-term, the market tends to be positive over time. So I think that's great advice. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like if I am investing for 20 years, one year, one one day shouldn't make me blow up everything. Right. And I I have this phrase I say all the time is your emotions don't do math. And I don't want my emotions. I feel bad today. I saw some bad news. I don't like what happened on this particular day. I don't want those decisions to, to, I don't want those emotions to make my investment decisions. That's they, math didn't go to school like I did and suffered through algebra and stuff, right? I had to go through that, but my emotions didn't necessarily do that. So you have to like sit down and say, here are all the rules, here are my goals, and keep my goals front and center and let my goals determine what it is that I'm investing in and how I'm going to go through that approach. Okay. So I'm all on board now, I'm ready to start investing. But, you know, we're on the verge of a recession now. What advice do you give to our listeners who just need some advice on how to prepare financially for this upcoming recession? Yeah, I think there, there are a few things. So the first most immediate thing, because, again, thinking about my goals, right, if if there is to be a recession, which we'll find out in late July, if it is official or not, but in either case, my goals take care of, of me and the family, right? So first, I want to make sure if I don't already, make sure I have that three to six months of my emergency savings first. There are a few reasons why you want to do that. Number one, we know that in a recession, employment, uh, unemployment rather, tends to go up a bit. I want to make sure that should something happen, I'm able to access those funds. What I don't want to do is pull from my investing accounts to pay for, for groceries. There are two reasons why I don't want to do that. Number one, that's, that's going to take away from my future self. Right. That's less money than I'm going to have in you know, in the next 20 years. But also I, I could be taxed on that amount and it could take a while before that money to get to me. It could take five to 10 business days for me to say, sell, come to my checking account. I get taxed on it as well. And then I can use you can pull out a thousand and only get 800. And you're like, wait, I need it. I need it more than that. Right. So you want to be careful there. So take care of what you can take care of now in terms of, of savings. When it comes to the investing side of things in a recession, the key thing is to know this. We talk about how down the market gets in times like this. Bear markets, which means the market is down 20% or more, usually last 363 days on average. On the opposite side, when the market is up, we call it a bull market, that lasts about 1,742 days on average. That means that these, these, these shocks, these falls, these recessions, these bear markets, they tend to be relatively short. So it's really about hanging in there and really seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, which is why it's important to continue investing even though the market is down, because when things turn around, the good times usually outweigh the bad. Yeah, we, we saw that with the pandemic, right? 
we saw we dropped close to 40%. And then a couple of weeks later, the market was rallying back. And if you sold during that period, you missed out on 20, 30, 40% returns in, in, in a, short amount of peri- a short amount of time. Yep, absolutely. It was down, I think the exact one was like 38% between was like March and April. I mean, just fell off a cliff. And then somehow recovered. And like I said, in, in 2020, the market was up double digits that year from January to December. So you never know how long these things are going to last. Because again, that, that 360 day number is 363 days. That's, that's an average. But hey, it, it's going to be it's going to be over. Like it ain't going to last forever. So I want to be able to protect myself, have my savings, but also continue to take advantage of those prices. Because like people, there are people who made tons of money. But the only way they did that was to continue to invest when the market was down. Everybody here would have loved to picked up to have picked up, I don't know, Apple or Amazon or whatever in 2008 when everything was down. But again, you had to go through it, right? That's that's the cost of admission sometimes. Yeah, no, I love what you said and I think what I what I just want to in- reinforce to our listeners is that having that foundation before investing is so important. You know, like you said, making sure you're following a budget have your emergency fund in place, make sure your family is good, make sure you have all the necessities for your family, and then start investing. And so I think if you have that, if you follow those steps, you'll be in a good place. Yeah. And and it goes back, as you said earlier, your goals, right? Your goals dictates like the level of what your investments should go or how aggressive you're going to be. So just focus on that and you tie your investments to your goals. I think that's very important as well. So awesome advice. Lastly, you know, we, we given our, everyone a lot of advice in terms of paying for a recession, investing one-on-one, but what any practical tips that people should do today in terms of if they're just starting? Yeah, I think if, if you're just starting, you want to really take the time to understand what you're getting into. And not not like a like a threat, but but you want to understand like, hey, would you, regardless of, of the investment, would you invest in something that's down ninety percent? Probably not, right? If I say that you were going to invest in something that has never made money for as long as this thing has existed, you would probably not do that. So when you're looking to invest in some things, you do want to make sure that you understand those those basics. So there are companies maybe a DoorDash, maybe an Uber or something like that that has never made money, even Peloton, like they've been struggling. But when you're going into an investment, you want to make a decision based on what is happening and not what you hope to happen and not what Twitter may have told you should happen. So that's that's what I would, I would highly encourage. There are tons of YouTube videos and channels, mine included, where I have a video, a, a playlist of 67 videos as of today all for brand new investors to walk you through all the the key questions and things that you need to help you start your investing journey. Okay. Kevin, you shared a lot of great tips for our audience. Investing can be very scary, I think, for a lot of people, but often that times that comes from fear of lack of knowledge, right? So if you can empower yourselves with information, like you said, going to your YouTube channel, reading the books you recommended, get good with money, reading your number one best-selling book, you know, I think you'll be in a good place. So, you know, for those who want to keep up with you, where can our listeners find you? Yeah, you can find me all things social media at Building Bread. That's Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, I guess now, Twitter. <laughs> but if you're, if you're looking to find me, 
you can go to buildingbread.com as well. And it has all those sites and resources listed. Awesome. Thanks so much for sharing knowledge to our listeners and, you know, everyone can be an investor. I love, you know, how technology has changed, you know, just the landscape of investing. So love what you're doing and helping people just get financially empowered. So thanks for joining. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for tuning into this episode. If you like what you heard, hit the subscribe button and leave a review. Follow us on Instagram at Rich by Intention for money tips and inspiration. 